Father, we come again to you because you're the center of attention. You're the center of, of what we do here at church. We are nothing without you. Lord, I pray it would just be your voice that people hear. And I pray that your truth and your love would abound to us. Amen. Philippians 4.1 says, Therefore, my beloved and longed for brethren, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, beloved. I'll read that again. Therefore, my beloved and longed for brethren, my joy and my crown, so stand fast in the Lord, beloved. What does it mean to stand fast in the Lord? How do we persevere? Well, the, the word stako we found in this verse is that the word translated stand fast. So when I say our title is how to stay cope, what I'm saying is how to stand fast. It means in Greek to be stationary or figuratively to persevere or to stand fast. And what I see as we look at this word, it's surrounded by two other words in the Greek that really blew my mind. So we're going to kind of open up our our Greek mind, we're going we're gonna to see what, the, what behind the English. The words are there in English, but there's more pronounced in Greek. When it says, therefore, my beloved, that's a key word. And you go through the verse, it says, therefore, my beloved, and my longed for brethren, my joy and crown, so stand fast, or stako, in the Lord. And then he repeats this word, beloved. And that word beloved is the word agape mixed with the word people. Agape people. So Paul begins and ends this, sent this sentence with the word beloved, loved people. And for me, it reminded me how our walk with God begins and ends with his love. He loved us while we were still sinners, and he loves us through all of our struggles and all of our mistakes. Paul does not want us to drift away from the love of God. So I put our first little section here, continue in love or stako in love. To think that we need to grow up from just being amazed and simply loved by God is not where we need to mature. We don't need to grow up from that. Notice he doesn't call them lovers of God. Rather, Paul reminds them twice in this verse, in this one sentence, of their position and God's heart for them, calling them beloved. He's reminding them of who they are in Christ. You are loved by God. Even when you're rebelling, you're loved by God. Even when you're not loving, you're loved by God. And even when you're weak, you're totally loved by God. God's love does not fail. Nothing you can do can change who you are. 
what your name is, what your title is. And that's why Paul was so free to write to them twice in one sentence, their title, Beloved. The agape people that have agape love put on them. They have been loved by God. Paul ministers to them and serves them by calling them by their heavenly identity, Beloved. They have earthly names too, like failure, weakling, disappointment, bitter, angry, sad, rebel, evil, wicked, sickly. But Paul knows God's heart and the truth that is real. And this is the truth that's real, that these believers are God's beloved. And so Paul decides to call them by their heavenly name around this idea of standing fast in the Lord. He says, I want you to stand fast in the Lord. I want you to stay go. But what you have to know, and I'm going to make sure you know it because I'm going to call you twice in one sentence, is that you are beloved. He calls them by their heavenly name. He treats them like they really are who God says they really are. Do you do this with your family, with your friends, with your spouse? Do you treat them as beloveds? I, I love Rhea. Because she always, what does she always say? Beloved, oh, my beloved. She says that word more than anyone I know. I love, she's not here today, but we can all give her a hard time and text her, beloved. Do we call people by their heavenly identity or do we call them failure? Do we call them angry, bitter, disappointment? I'm so disappointed in you. I'm so tired of you. Or do we help them understand who they are in God's sight? Do they know exactly what you think of their weakness and their failures or how much they have disappointed you? See, we must live by faith. I know people aren't perfect, but we live by faith. We live in dependence on what God could make them and what God has said is true about them. What's true about you is that you are beloved. No matter what you've done, no matter who you are, faith that God will complete the work that he started in us and in our families. As we pray and keep praying for God's growth to happen in our lives, we need to speak faith into, we speak by faith to the people in our families and in our lives, not blind to their sin, but more trusting God and his powerful working to fix them. Talk to people like they're already God's beloved and yours. This heart for people can only come when you pray for them. And pray that God's will and his work in their life and watch how much you will love them. If you pray for people, if you, if you say, man, I really would like you to change. So what I'm going to do is I'm not going to nag you to death. I'm not going to tell you how disappointed I am and who you are now. I'm going to pray for you and I'm going to tell you who you are in God what Jesus thinks of you, what Jesus has done for you. This reminds us of Romans 14.4, 4, 
which says, Who are you to judge another man's servant? To his own master he stands or falls. Indeed, he will be made to stand, for God is able to make him stand. Now, this word stako is seen three times in that verse. To stand. So often we believe that we're serving God by judging everyone and deciding whether they are right or wrong or mature or sinning. Paul says here, if you really want to be involved in ministry, it's not by holding them to a standard of performance, but rather praying for God to work in their heart. God's ability is highlighted in this verse. Look what it says. God is able to make them stand. It's his ability. Ministry is not about telling people, you have failed. It's about telling people, God won't. Lifting people's attention away from their own failures towards God's perfection, towards God's grace, God's ability. And look, God's willingness is also highlighted when he says he will be made to stand. This is how grace works. This is how we minister by grace and not by the law. We pray for God's will and God's power to be worked into someone's life. Then we direct their focus onto God's love, onto God's promised love, God's delivered love. Jesus. We focus them completely on Jesus. It's a sign of immaturity and self-sourced ministry to take the attention off of Jesus' love and onto your performance. If you believe ministry is about, well, this is where you're failing, this is where you're failing, this is where you're failing, we got to get all these things wrapped up and, and fixed, and we got to get these taken care of in your life. That is not ministry. Ministry is relational and God's power. It's him focused, not us. And so this word stako is seen three times in this verse. And the first key to staying in, to a Christian staying or persevering or a Christian being able to stako is the love of Jesus. So we got to continue to remember his love. If you want to persevere in this life as a Christian, like Paul is saying, man, stand fast in the Lord. If you want to stand fast, the first thing we got to remember is it's his love that's the center point. How long has it been since you wept from the shocking and tender love of Jesus? It's a fountain of new life every moment. It's a sin-killing hand grenade that explodes in the heart of the true child of God when they draw near. Our verse again says, Therefore, my beloved, my beloved. And when Paul said those words, the people felt a stab of, What? How can I be God's beloved? It's so crazy. It's so impossible. My, my longed-for brethren, my joy and my crown, so stand fast in the Lord, beloved. We just spent three weeks, the last three weeks, of talking about knowing God, knowing God, knowing God. The supremacy of knowing Jesus and the way that God grows us to know him more through suffering and, and death and resurrection. We studied all that. 
Then we just learned last week how hypocrites don't understand and continue in this relationship based of knowing God, but they fall into a performance based relationship. And that's how hypocrisy thrives in the church. It's because they're so worried about how they look, they forget about who they're connecting with. It's about knowing God, knowing God. And now Paul teaches us how to continue in knowing God, how to stand firm, how to stay co. That we must know God's love. This is the, the most important thing when it comes to knowing God. Ephesians 3.19 is a great cross-reference at this point in time when he says, to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So ask yourself these questions. Do I know the love of God? Have I felt it? Have I tasted it? Do I understand it? Do I have it now? Is it spreading in my heart and through my veins even now? Is there an invisible attraction in my soul to God through the love of Jesus? Does the truth that God loves me and has chosen me bring a real, genuine peace to my heart? Every true believer knows this love. But they're not all at the same place in their maturity. Some are babies. Some are children in the Lord. They just love the fact that they're forgiven. Others progress and mature by entering into the inner chambers of God's temple to drink deeply of the wine of his love. They know the taste and they've learned his ways, his fragrance, his passion are becoming familiar to them and they are becoming like him in their own behavior. That's the wonderful, glorious ministry of the new covenant. We don't try to change. We enter in and drink deep of his love. And the side effect is that our life and our behavior is totally changed. So let's turn our hearts to Jesus right now. Our goal in this verse is to continue, to push on, to, to stay firm, to stand fast, to be strong, to stay co in the Lord. And for this, we have nothing at our disposal except for his love. There's nothing you can do to persevere except his love. So I'm going to give you seven ways, real quickly, that we can grow in his love. That we can take steps. If this were a ladder, each of these would be a step on that ladder up to his love. If, if, his, if his love were a mountain, these would each be the next step up that mountain, okay? So let's look at a few things real quick, these seven things. Number one, doctrine. Devour the word of God. Come to it like you approach the hottest furnace. You guys ever have a, 
get really close to a, an oven that's on and you can just feel the heat radiating. When we approach the Word of God like that with careful reverence, knowing that it will destroy you, that's how we should approach the Word of God. When we read about the murder of Jesus, spend time reading His words and weep as you imagine the reality of His words laid out right there before us. Search out the descriptions of His love for you. Write them down. Memorize them. When God wants us to know something for sure, he puts it in the word of God. So knowing the word of God and doctrine is the number one way to grow in the love of Jesus. His unending love is clearly described in the word of God. You doubt Jesus' love? Go first to the Bible. How can we progress in knowing his love? Let's go. Read the word. Number two. That's just the beginning there's a lot more of how to know the love of God ex- than just what's described in the Word. Number, one, number two, simply thankfulness. Thankfulness. Do you remember the day that he called you out of death and into life? That day that you heard a voice call your name and saying, come follow me, and when you turned and you saw Jesus nailed to the cross and his blood flowed and his eyes betrayed an impossible love and compassion for you? When he said, come and I'll give you rest, an abundant life, a fountain of living water, and you came as you were, you didn't have to change, you couldn't have even changed if you wanted to, and he has never left you since that day? He has been there watching over you every single night as you slept? And ready to meet with you every single morning, every single day. He's been excited to meet with you. And he's honestly been disappointed at all the mornings you forgot him. But he doesn't leave still. He's there. If we are not growing in knowing and experiencing his beautiful love every day, we grow numb and forgetful. We grow shallower. If we're not growing deeper, we're going shallower. We don't stay put. If you've lost your desire to know him and his love, it's because sin has deceived you. Get to know him more. Draw near to him and he will draw near to you. That is the promise of the word of God. And I can tell you this, he gets better as you get to know him more. It does not get boring, does it? Remember with thankfulness what he has done and will do for you personally. This is a great way to grow in the love of Jesus. Number three, practical living, which is serving God. You can't learn farming by reading a book. You have to be an apprentice, a Padawan. Like Luke with Yoda, whatever. I knew you were going to do that. I hate you. (laughs) It's all your fault, Nathan. Anyway, staying close to your teacher and learning the ways of the Force is so practical. It's good to come to church every week, but really 
learning about the love of God happens at your job. It happens in your bedroom. It happens in the kitchen. It happens in your car. I remember several times in my life when I broke down in tears while driving because the love of God was being revealed in some new way to me. Most of the time it was because of a broken relationship, a jerk of a coworker, a child who pushed us to the limit. Serving God and keeping his commands daily will teach us more about the love of God. I don't know how much God loves me. Well, are you, are you serving him? Do you pour out your life? No, I'm too busy. I got too much going on. Well, taste and see. Number four, cont- contemplation. A way to grow in the love of God is to go back to the Word of God. We started at the Word of God. We're back there now. Dive deep into the various aspects of his life and think deeply about them. Contemplate them. We like to talk about fruits and the effects when we need to spend much time thinking about the cause. What's the cause of us growing? Jesus' love. Jesus on the cross. It needs to be thought about every day. We can't just chalk it up to, well, I know the doctrine that Jesus died for me on the cross. I know it. Yeah, but did you weep about it today? What? Has it, has it ripped your heart out today? Wow. Let the cross be your hobby. The thing you think about when life slows down. This is not fanciful or dreamy thinking. It's the true delight of a person washed in the blood of the Son of God to ponder every little bit of it. Like a lover traces the lines of your face with their hands. They love looking at you. Spurgeon quote, Spurgeon quote. Here's a a good Spurgeon quote for you guys. Well, says one, I shall never know Christ's love by contemplation. I have no time. Ah, you had better have an hour's less sleep than lose this blessed contemplation of Christ. Oh, but I have so much to do. Dear friends, we can sometimes do more in one half an hour than we can at other times in hours according to the tenor of our minds. Now, I think that contemplating Christ winds up the soul and puts it into right frame so that when we come back, we can do more for the master than we ever did before. What he's saying is that you can do more by an hour of contemplating Christ than you can in 10 hours of working. More will be accomplished. Well, that doesn't make sense to me, then marriage probably doesn't make sense to you either. Does your marriage work well when all you do is work for each other? Or is it better when you take time to connect, to talk, to touch, to love? Which way works better? Number five, 
enjoy. As you know, my favorite song is that joy song that we sang today. The joy, I sing it almost every week, and everyone is annoyed by it, but I love it. Because Jesus makes me so happy, and it is, it's really hard to explain. This one is hard to explain. But you can grow in God's love so deeply by joy. It's like Paul being caught up to the third heaven. He said he heard things that were unlawful, and they were so joyous, he said. This week I read the story of Peter John Corson. Uh, John Corson is one of the giants of teaching that I've ever heard. He's one of the greatest teachers up at Applegate Christian Fellowship. And his son, Peter John, has had Crohn's disease since he was a teenager. Uh, and he's, he's, I don't know, in his 30s now. And um, this past week, his intestines uh, fell out of his body in a horrible, horrible time at the emergency room. And uh, he, he died, not for good. He came back, but he literally died. Um, his heart stopped, and he came back. And he's a pastor at a Calvary Chapel. He came back saying, Jesus held me and told me, I'm going to put your intestines back in your stomach, and you're not going to die right now. And he says, all I can tell you is that the joy that, that every bit of pain that I've been through in his whole life with Crohn's is so worth it. Every single moment of it. He says, Jesus gives so much joy. Your tears will not be able to be kept in your body. Your joy will explode at seeing Jesus. This is what our brother said this week. That's ha- that happened this week. This is a hard thing to explain. But nothing else in the world is as bright and glorious and as wonderful as this experience of his love. And if you don't know it right now, you have got to know it. You have to. There is nothing better. Jesus is longing to reveal it to you. And he will today if you call out to him today. Lift your hands of faith and say, God, I need to know your love. Not I need to please you. Not I need you to fix me. I need your love. I need to know how much you love me, Father. God will answer that prayer with all the power. He will rip heaven and earth apart to answer that prayer today. But you got to believe. Do you believe it? At his right hand are pleasures forevermore, the Bible says. Number six, sympathy. We grow in love, understanding God's love for us when we look around you at the world and and see the wretched sin and the hardness of heart and you respond with sympathy and not with hardness. How can I save them? How can I deliver them? What must I do to save them? You will learn of his love by loving others. How could Jesus cry over Jerusalem the day before he was going to get crucified? How could he cry when they were just about to be punks to him? They were just about to crucify him and he wept over them and said, I I love you guys. When you go there, 
you will know something deeper about his love. Love for dirty, rotten sinners and people who have no care in this world about him. You know, we're tempted to say, I'm not my brother's keeper. Why should I care about? You could name any group of people that you don't like. I'm not my brother's keeper. Right, you're not, because you don't know the love of God. Or maybe you don't understand the love of Jesus, the love of Jesus, because you don't want to be your brother's keeper. I don't know, it's all kind of mixed together. Number seven, lastly, we grow in knowing God's love by absorbing. It's kind of hard to explain these. But absorbing is kind of like unity with God. He's, he's just in your head. He's in your heart. And you're his body. And there's this Holy Spirit making his home in your heart. He's tabernacling among you. And you're surrendered. You're emptying yourself of everything that's in your heart and being filled by him alone. And, and you just know that you're in this place when repentance is a joy. When your selfishness and your selfish thoughts and desires are swallowed up by his love, the bright light of his love makes us blind to the things we thought were so important to us. We just absorb his life into us. And this happens when Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. This is the pinnacle. So all these seven little steps are just powerful ways to stay co, to stay strong, to stand fast in the Lord. My question for you today is how many of these do you invest in? Do you learn right doctrine? Are you confident that you know what Jesus did and know what Jesus said, know what Jesus meant? Do you stay fresh in your relationship with Jesus through thankfulness? Do you just sometimes remember what he called you out of? Are you trusting him in your daily living? Are you doing his will in your relationships? Or are you doing your will in your relationships? Well, I'm only going to be in this relationship if I'm getting what I need out of it. That's not God's will. God's will is for you to serve and love till death. Do you have special times of remembering what God did for you on the cross? Do you go on dates with Jesus? We call this communion. Do you allow yourself to enjoy Jesus, remembering and dwelling on him so much that fear and doubt and worry are melted away in his sweet, sweet love? Is the condition of the lost and sinful world a burden to you? Do you long for a mission? A way to save people? Or you just wish they would go away? Is your life being absorbed into his? Is he the only hope you have? The only one you look to? The only light that you walk by? The only air you breathe? Again, Ephesians 3.19 says to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. 
Knowing the love of Jesus is how we stay co, to stand fast. And it takes investment, brothers. You got to invest. It's a real relationship. It is a striving to know him by relationship. It's a marriage. His life in you by faith is a real thing. There's a few ways that this word stako is used in the rest of scripture that, that are also important. And they all point us towards this one thing that we need to hang on to him. We need to stay co. We need to hang on to him. And here's, so here's the other places that this word is used in scripture. Number one, we got to continue in faith. Not only continue in love, like we learned, to stay close to the Lord, but continue in faith. 1 Corinthians 16, 13 says, Watch, stand fast in the Lord, stay co, be brave, be strong. So we're saying trust in the Lord. We've got to keep doing it. We've got to keep trusting him. Number two, we can continue in liberty or freedom. This is Galatians 5, 1. Another place the word stako is used, it says, stand fast or stako in the Lord in the liberty by which Christ has made us free and do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. So this is keeping Jesus the focus and not performance. So we stako on Jesus' performance and not ours. The next one is continue together. 1 Thessalonians 3.8, excuse me. 1 Thessalonians 3. 3.8. He says, For now we live if you, Stako, stand fast in the Lord. He says, We live if you stand fast in the Lord. Staying close to the Lord and his love is how we establish and maintain our unity among the body. And lastly, continue pouring out your life for Jesus or serve it. And that's 1 Corinthians 15.58. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast. Guess what that word is? Stego. Immovable. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. Knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. So, serving God must be done with relationship with the Lord being the central thing. Burnout is a slow drifting away from relationship. Away from what we studied at the beginning, his love. See, all these things are just a description of knowing the love of Jesus, trusting the love of Jesus, continuing together in the love of Jesus, continuing at the liberty of the love of Jesus. All of it's just love in Jesus. Brothers and sisters, let us surrender our life to him. Let us answer that heavenly call to come and follow me. Our verse again says, Therefore, my beloved, and longed for, brethren, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord. How? Beloved. That's his answer. How do we stand fast in the Lord? You stay go. Stay co. Stay co. Stay close. Oh, I worked hard on that. You've got to remember that one. Please, remember that one. Stay close to the Lord. Stay close to Jesus. If you've never been close to him, hear the call of heaven today. Turn around and see the loving Savior hanging on the cross. 
Come close to see his pain. Come close enough to get his blood on you. It's the only thing that can save. Notice that today we haven't talked about you loving God more, have we? We talked about Jesus loving you. How do I create a church of people that love God a lot? I teach them about the love of Christ for them. Do you know that to love God is actually law? It's actually law. So telling someone you should love God, that'll fix all your problems. Love God more. You love God more. You love. I, I am ministering law to them. I'm giving them something that's impossible for them to do. Hey, just do everything perfect. That's what the Jews tried to do. They knew about loving the law. In fact, that's quoted from Deuteronomy: "Love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and strength." Ah,、oh, simple. That's not what Jesus came to do. He came to love us with all His heart, soul, mind, and strength, so that He could come live in us, so that He could just love other people through us with all His heart, soul, mind, and strength. Because our heart, soul, mind, and strength is lame. This is where loving Him starts. Is born. It's the dirt that our plants grow in. The love of Jesus. That's the water that makes us love. Would you all stand with me? You guys hang tough today. You've been a.、Uh, um, we've had a lot going on, so good job. Yeah. But right now is the most important time of everything that we've had going on. It's、uh, the time where we personally connect with Jesus and personally、um, just deal with Him based on what we just heard. If if today's the day that you're You need to call out to him to be saved. That you've never had his blood wash you clean. Then you just simply call out and say, "Jesus, save me." It's that easy. In fact, you do nothing except believe what he did for you. And then I think there's a lot of us in here that really need a touch of his love. That we need to know his love in a deeper way than we do right now. Because sin is still in our eyes, sin is still appealing to us, and we need the brightness of His love to blind us from even seeing that sin. We need it to melt away our desires for sin. So as we sing this song, just do not look at us. Close your eyes or lift them to heaven, because Jesus is the one speaking to you right now.